E-S-N-Y. We're back for the second time in less than two or three days. Um, very excited to bring another pod to you guys. Um, trying to do a couple more of these during our, our quarantine and NBA hiatus. And as always, um, rolling with Chip Murphy. Chip, what's going on, man? How's your uh, Tuesday going? Pretty good, man. Uh, excited to talk about Last Dance and do a little more redraft action. Uh, I was doing some work for the day job today and uh, watching this show on Netflix. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's called Happy. It used to be on Sci-Fi, apparently. It's uh, Patton Oswalt plays the he's the voice of this like cartoon imaginary horse or some imaginary friend horse, and uh, Christopher Maloney plays this ex-cop turned hitman it's it's like totally bizarre and weird and really fucking funny and i think i I sent out a tweet about it it's like just the show you can use right now to just laugh at how bizarre and over the top it is it's really good i was watching that today i I liked it it's good it sounds like a little like bojack horseman or something like that you know yeah yeah a little bit except with tons of murder (laughs) (laughs) just super violent yeah yeah awesome um yeah uh i'm i'm pretty much doing the same thing for the most part i'm also excited to get into the last dance here i think that's where we'll we'll start off so the 10-part series um debuted last sunday it did not disappoint uh there was obviously a lot of heavy uh, michael jordan featured um I think my biggest takeaway was just how much access. I know they had they had mentioned that during that last year they had unprecedented access. Um, I was blown away by just how much was there, how how much in terms of you know just conversations between you know front office players, how open Scottie Pippen and Michael Jordan were about their relationships with management. Um, the divide and friction between Phil and Jerry Krause. And my ultimate takeaway was uh, just how difficult it is, even on winning teams, man. Even on winning teams. Like like when I think about the Knicks and I think about the, the leaks that come out yeah. about front office rifts between player camps or coaches. And these this is on a terrible team. Like this is on a lottery-bound team for the past, I don't know how many years. And we're talking about the same thing, but obviously on a, on a much bigger level with the Chicago Bulls, the, you know, one of the greatest dynasties in all of professional sports. So I think it was just so interesting to see how even when you're winning and even when uh, team success is at an all-time high, egos come into play from very powerful people in decision-making roles. And that's what it seemed like you had with Jerry Krause. And I'm sure there's 
there's two sides to every story. I'm sure Jerry Krause is not, you know, the devil reincarnate like the ESPN doc was making him out to be. Maybe he is. I don't know. But um, that my biggest takeaway was that just even on a winning team, this type of friction is still at play and is probably at play even in the current NBA with when when the Warriors were doing well. That was probably the case on some level, even if we don't know about it. Um, you know, even when the Cavs were doing well, uh, when when LeBron was with them, that was probably there, even though if we didn't know about it, like it's just it's it's bound to happen when you have, um, you know, a lot of alpha guys, you know, really intelligent guys that all think they know what to do, what the best course of action is. This is kind of like bound to happen. Um, what was your biggest takeaway? My biggest takeaway, I think, was the brutal honesty of that team. And, like, the way Michael Jordan talked to Jerry Krause. Like, holy shit. Like, could you imagine if a player talked to his general manager like that, just openly and uh, out in the open? Like, even if his general manager was a prick and, like, just saying things like, is that is that uh, pill going to make you taller? Or yeah, like, crazy. Just taking little pot shots at him like that. And I know he's the greatest player ever, and it's whatever he can say and do whatever he wants, but just stuff like that, like Jerry Krause telling Phil Jackson, I don't care if you win 82 games. It's insane. If you go 82-0, and 0, you're still not coaching this team next season. Like, my God, who who says something like Who even would think to say something like that? That's to maybe the greatest coach of all time. That's insane behavior, and – then of course the Scotty Pippen stuff, like Phil uh, and him putting off surgery and saying you're not gonna fuck up my summer, yeah. they're not gonna fuck up my summer, whatever. And uh, Phil Jackson being okay with it and understanding it, and Michael Jordan saying it was a selfish move, yeah. and just the contrast in their reactions was so it was so perfectly done by that director, like to show the contrast in their reactions and the contrast in their personalities. And it was very cool to watch. And Michael and Scotty were so perfect. Uh, like their personalities, they were such a perfect fit. And they were talking about that and this stuff about Scotty's salary and how underpaid he was and how he deserved to be paid and how Jerry Krause pretty much said, fuck that. And how I guess the Bulls owner uh, even told them, or he alleged that he told them during the contract negotiations not to sign the contract, but said, if you regret signing the contract down the road, don't come back to renegotiate. Right. I mean, it's the differences between the way things are now and the way things are then. I mean, could you imagine a general manager firing a coach that a star player loves? The star player comes out and says, I don't want to play for any coach but the guy we have now. A general manager says we're firing the coach. That would never fucking happen. Right. Don't like. And what's what the fuck is up with the owner not stepping in? The owner just lets it happen. Like I, they they glanced over that part. Like why did the owner take uh, the general uh, Jerry Krause's side in that whole thing? Like obviously the owner had a blind spot for Krause because Krause wasn't even a basketball guy. I didn't even know that he was right. a Chicago White Sox scout. Before they hired him, like, it was crazy. He was a fucking baseball guy, and he got the job 
And yeah, I think you mentioned egos are the important thing. He, he, uh, he, he built the team and he saw the players getting all the credit and he saw Phil Jackson getting all the credit. And he was like, I want some credit. So I guess the solution to that was to start losing on purpose. I, right. He wanted to fire, to fire the coach, let Scotty Pippen go and start losing games on purpose. I, I, whatever. I, I, it didn't exactly work out so well for him. It would have been great to hear his side of the story, but, uh, like you said, two sides to every story. But uh, he was definitely the villain of the first two episodes. I can't wait for the next two. We were talking before we came on here. You said uh, the next one's going to the Rodman episode. Yeah. So that's, that should be interesting. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm super excited to that. And one thing I was just thinking of while you were, you were talking there about the idea of tanking even in, um, in the 90s. Mm-hmm. I saw this tweet on Twitter yesterday or today. It was super funny, man. Maybe you came across it too. And it said, um, Michael Jordan um, not understanding tanking explains so much about the Charlotte Hornets or whatever. <laughs> like, I thought that was hilarious. Um, but all, with, that was going to be his stance as an ultra competitor anyway. Um, and I'm definitely excited to see these next episodes coming up. I think the Rodman piece is going to be big um, because that's a, that's a hall of fame player in a, in a skilled sport who made a extremely impactful um, effect on the game because of his will, his energy, his effort. Um, And I think, you know, Rodman really lays the groundwork for players like, um, you know, a Ben Wallace or, you know, someone like that. And to a lesser extent, I don't want to be disrespectful to him because he is skilled, but a, a Draymond Green type, uh, things like that. These are players that, you know, when you think of basketball and you think of passing, shooting, uh, and handle and dribbling, you know, they're, despite the fact that the game has become so analytic and, and so much about, um, shooting the three ball, there is still an important spot in today's game for for people who do the dirty work. And a lot of people that I heard on the radio after those first two episodes um, talked about how important it was to have a guy like Rodman who understood a role, you know, and was kind of like a weird and aloof guy himself that he was not necessarily he was he was he was concerned with getting attention, but not for his basketball accolades. So he did not mind not getting the ball because it, I don't know that, 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 you know, whether it was going to be a scoring title or scoring 15 points a game or 20 points a game, not that he would ever get a scoring title, but I don't know that doing something like that was going to move the needle for him, but he did play an important part. And I'm just interested to see kind of how they, how they um, illustrate that and how they frame that in those those episodes coming up. Yeah, I'm interested to see how they talk about his, obviously his off-the-court oh, yeah. stuff. But uh, yeah, I want to know how deep they'll go into like his career before Chicago and all that and after Chicago. But yeah, I think they, you know, they show Carmen Electra in the 
trailer for the documentary. So obviously they're going to show something about something his about the court stuff. I don't think they can avoid everything he did. They already showed him in a wedding dress. Yeah. So they're going to have to show that. Right. But uh, yeah, he's he's a unique character. I mean, you. Oh yeah. He's interesting. I remember when he was in the NWO. Like, yes. I'm a WC. I remember WCW. Uh, God, he was. I there's a story. Uh, Diamond. Any WCW fans? If you're not a WCW fan, you probably don't know who Diamond Dallas Page is. Oh yeah. But Diamond Dallas Page tells the story of how he had to teach Dennis Rodman how to hit him with a chair, and it's such a funny story because Dennis Rodman is telling him like, uh, "Oh no, don't worry, man. I know how to swing a chair. I'll just go out there and I'll hit you. It doesn't matter." And he's like, "No, no, no, dude. You're not going to end my career. <laughs> yeah. I'll show you how to." view of the chair right now yeah but he, he's just laughing as he told it because he thought that he thought dennis robin was just gonna let him go out there and swing a steel chair at him right without any coaching or anything right just funny to listen to yeah it's just the kind of guy robin was i think and it was i remember that like that was the carl malone thing and robin was really into that and he was a he was a celebrity yeah. i mean if he came along now he would be the star of NBA Twitter. Right. Sure. Right. Like, yeah. You right up there at the top. Yeah. No, I, I, I couldn't agree with that more. And, uh, it's, it, like I said, it, it didn't disappoint. And I think we're just happy that we get to, uh, kind of continue that journey. And, and, um, I know that 10 part series is going to be good. Um, but the second part of our, uh, podcast here is a 2012 redraft. Continuing with our redraft series, we started off with 2010, we did 2011, and now we're in 2012. Um, and I and luckily, we seem to be increasing in depth for the most part because I think these later selections uh, continue to get a little harder. I won't. I'll just speak for myself, but Chip probably feels the same way uh, as well. And I think we'll we'll just start it off here. I have a very strong feeling both Chip and I are, are going to be in lockstep with the first two here. Um, maybe for the first couple, but it'll it'll get interesting towards the end, I'm sure. Um, but let's start it off. This is obviously the Anthony Davis draft, originally drafted by New Orleans in 2012. We know how that ended. Um, of course, we have Anthony Davis number one here. And uh, I'll I'll go into the stats, which are insane. Uh, seven-time All-Star, uh, three-time block champion, three-time All-NBA, three-time All-Defensive team. Uh, average, average for his career, 24 and 10 on 50% shooting. That's insane. Uh, what I thought was really interesting, the two things that stood out to me, not stood out, but just kind of um, kind of popped up a little bit. His total shooting percentage for this season, right? This season is 61%, which is really, really ridiculous for a big. He doesn't turn the ball over. Um, He dwarfs everyone in this draft class in win shares. Anthony Davis, you know, is is probably a... One of the, the number one draft picks in recent years that I think met the hype and exceeded it. Um, you know, I, I certainly remember hearing so much about him and just to see him blossom into really one of the most talented players in the NBA is, has been insane. Um, Chip, what do you got for him? 
Yeah, I had Davis here too. I mean, it's the obvious one. You you said seven-time All-Star, three-time All-NBA, first team all three times, three-time All-Defense, uh, first team, two-time second team. Uh, career stats are fantastic. Like you said, 24-10, two, uh, one steal, 52% shooter. Uh, he had, like you said, I was going to say, same thing you said about his win shares are insane. He leads by a million, but uh, he's second among all active players in PER and seventh among active players in uh, blocks, uh, which is pretty crazy. And he's also uh, top 10 all time in a uh, box plus minus, wow. which is something that we talk about all the time on this show is box plus minus. <laughs> so I wanted to bring that up. Um, but yeah, he's just, you know, he's, already on track to being a hall of famer i think oh, yeah. if he picks up a ring with lebron in la with uh it looks like he's maybe not going to do this year but if not this year next year in a couple of years that I, I think he'll lock up a hall of fame bid in yeah. my opinion you know he's been in the league eight years now but uh, yeah i think his hall of fame probability on on a basketball reference is 93%. Wow. You know, the one, the one knock on him was, uh, you know, a lack of playoff success. That's what his people were, people were saying about him. And, uh, I don't know. It's, he can't, he didn't put the teams together, you know, he didn't put the teams together. And I, I don't think it was very fair to say that, but you know, it's, he's finally playing with, Another superstar. I know Drew Holiday is a very good player, but he was a superstar. And uh, I think it's, I think, like I said, I think if he picks up the ring, he's probably on his way to a Hall of Fame career. And uh, he's second in this draft class in points. Uh, and given all the time he's missed due to injury, I think that's pretty impressive. But yeah, I. Yeah, he's just he's one of the best uh, players and of this decade, I think, at yeah. this point. And um, I think you mentioned uh, the most important thing. He's one of the few NBA talents that lived up to the hype because he was maybe the most hyped player since LeBron. Yeah, prospects since LeBron before Zion came along, and like hugely hyped. Yeah. And he lived up to it. He's years later. He's the second best player in the NBA, I think, yeah. behind Giannis. If you, unless you're a LeBron guy, I, I LeBron, whatever. LeBron's the best player. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. If you want to put LeBron first, whatever. He's he's in the top three with LeBron and Giannis. We'll yeah. Say that. Mm-hmm. I think uh, one thing I also want to add here too about AD before before we move on, I think. It says all you need to know about his talent and his skill level that he joins a team with LeBron James already on it. And you could say, well, LeBron understands that he's aging, but LeBron says, we're going to run the offense through him. Like, that's all you need to know about Anthony Davis, that literally one of the greatest players to ever touch a court is sitting there and saying, well, our best chance is for him to take most of the shots, not me. So, um, you know, that's a, another pretty amazing thing, I think, that's that's uh, speaks volumes in terms of his career. 
but I yeah, think... Yeah, but when the game's on the line in the playoffs, who's taking the shot? Oh, I couldn't it agree is. with you more. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, so let's move on to number two here. This was Michael K. Gilchrist. This, the, which a player, believe it or not, I rooted for so hard, man, because I just love the way he played, even though his shot is so completely ugly. Um, you know, had a really good reputation as a defender. Um, you know, very long, whatnot. But yeah, Michael K. Gilchrist is obviously not going to be number two on this list. Chip, why don't you hit us off here? Who's your number two? Yeah, I got Dame Lillard here as a cube. Agree with me. Five-time All-Star, four-time All-NBA, first team, two-time second team, one-time third team. He was the star as a rookie, man. You know, he averaged, he led the league in total minutes as a rook, averaged 38 minutes a game. He played all 82 games the first three seasons in, in the league. He's a 90% free-throw shooter for his career, 11th in free-throw percentage all-time. Uh, I looked up points scored in a player's first seven seasons like on basketball reference. He's 18th in um, NBA or eight seasons. Sorry. He's 18th in NBA history. Wow. Only 17 players in NBA history have scored more points in their first eight seasons than Dane Lillard. That's insane. Dude. It is insane. He scored more points than Paul Pierce, Dwayne Wade, Allen Iverson. Like, and I know some of those guys, whatever Pete Maravich, like some of those guys, whatever, missed games and stuff, but still 17 guys only. And he just missed Mello, by the way. Like, just missed Mello. <laughs> but, like, just missed him. But, and uh, by the time he plays the end of the season, he'll have, he'll have passed Mello, I think, from what I was looking at. Yeah. But, um, yeah, like, he's just a machine, dude. And he's, look, I, I like the fact that he's uh, the a guy who seems right now anyway, like I know things can change in the NBA, that he's dedicated to the team that drafted him. You know, he likes, I don't, I don't know if it's Portland or whatever, but he he loves his teammates. He's a leader. You know, he's what every team wants. He leads his team. He's tight with his teammates. He's tight with CJ McCollum. Um, And I know his team's struggling now, but that hasn't affected his play. He's been fantastic this year. Um, he wanted Carmelo Anthony on the team in Portland for years, and Carmelo Anthony came to Portland. So, got him there. But uh, if Dame Lillard didn't really want Carmelo Anthony in Portland, I'm not sure they would have signed him because he had some serious baggage. But, uh, yeah, I, he, there's nothing, for me, there's nothing not to like about Damian Lillard. Like, there's just not. I know some people want to knock his defense i i i just think all the good about him uh makes up for that i I, we talked earlier on another show uh about trading cj mccollum i was for that i think to get the most out of dame lillard i think you may need to put him with a, a defensive guard but i think if you do that i think portland becomes a championship contender instead of a team that tops off at where they are now but uh, i know colin didn't agree with me which strengthened my point even further i think but um uh uh i i think look i like i said i think dame's a superstar and franchise player and one day his jersey's going to be hanging in the rafters in portland and 
yeah, he's a no-brainer here for the second pick. And if Anthony Davis wasn't in this draft, he would have been the first pick. Yeah. Um, Damian Lillard is one of my favorite players in the NBA. Uh, him, Melo, and Butler are my, my top three active players. I absolutely loved watching Lillard play. He's got four 50-point games in his career, a 60-point um, game on his resume. He's clutch. That shot he had against OKC was one of the coolest shots I've ever seen in my life. Um, that was awesome. One of the best celebrations afterwards. It was just like the epitome of cool. Whatever you look at when you see cool in the dictionary, like it was that shot right there. Um, his Since he's been 25 years old, his usage rate has been like, you know, astronomically high. And despite that, his assist percentage, uh, he doesn't turn the ball over a lot. His assist percentage for the team is like over 30%, which is pretty crazy. Um, yeah, not much more to add here. Dane Lillard's a stud. He is, without a doubt, the number two pick here. We'll move on to number three. Um, this was Bradley Beal taken by the Washington Wizards. So for here, and this may be where we start to disagree, who knows, but I actually have Draymond Green. So uh, Draymond Green, a three-time All-Star, 2017 Steels champ, a three-time NBA champion, two-time All-NBA selection, five-time All-Defensive selection. The career numbers are not going to blow you away at all. Nine, six, and five for his career. The shooting numbers are not that great. Um, 44.4 win shares. You know, this is a guy that, for me, he he gets up here because he's the heart and soul of one of the dynasties uh, that we've been able to watch. Uh, Steve Kerr talked ad nauseum about how important he was to the team and how he compliments everyone. And he made it a point in some of these championship runs, um, especially during the season, to talk about getting Draymond going so that he could get other people going. Uh, that's how important he is to the team. So for me, what he lacks in statistical production, I think even without amazing players that he's played with, I'm not saying that he would be winning championships, but I, I have no doubt, regardless of the team that he plays on, he will impact them positively because of what he brings to the table, what type of a competitor he is. He's an extremely talented talented but also a very smart defender a very high iq player um brings it in the playoffs three separate years where he averaged double figures in points and rebounds so um i went with draymond here at number three what about you yeah we don't disagree here <laughs> okay. uh we definitely do not i'm a huge draymond green fan i okay. love draymond green yeah i'm glad you picked him here uh he's He's more than his points and rebounds and blocks and steals. He's so much more than that. And I love a blo- I love a box plus minus, and he's got a fucking great one. Yes. So I got that one there. Um, but his shooting, like you said, his numbers aren't fantastic. His shooting percentages are mediocre. But uh, I think he's 43% for his career, whatever. And it's, we know his three-point shot is garbage. And he's... He's never going to admit that, I guess, but he's not a shooter. Who gives a shit? He's, you know, you're talking about how you view him. He's the best defensive player I've ever seen. I don't think I, I don't really remember prime Tim Duncan too well. He's the best defensive player I've ever seen. 
Yeah. And I was talking about Hall of Fame probability before. Draymond's Hall of Fame probability on basketball reference is 30.2%. That's crazy. It is crazy. It really is crazy. crazy. We glorify how important rings are, but a guy who is the heart of a dynasty, like you just said, he's not a Hall of Famer? Yeah. What? Like... His net, I was looking up his net rating and stuff. I did that a lot for uh, the draft picks. In 2015-16, when I know they didn't win a championship that year, but they won 73, his net rating was plus 26.3 points for 100 possessions. That's insane. Plus 26.3. That's so ridiculous. That's crazy, man. Yeah. Oh, my God. Jesus. Like he's There's no way they win those three championships without Draymond. I'm sorry, they don't. Yeah. They don't. Yeah. You can you could say yes, they had Steph Curry, they had Clay Thompson, they had Kevin Durant. I know they did. They definitely don't win the uh, I I love Draymond, so I'm definitely biased because I, I'm a huge fan of Draymond Green. But and like you said, his numbers don't blow you away. But it's it's more than his numbers. He he's just a fun player to watch too. He just, in terms of bias, like you just, uh, you know, some people don't like him. I like watching him. Um, I still think he's one of the best defensive players in the NBA. I think people have started to take him for granted. Yeah. Like now it's just like, oh yeah, Draymond's playing great defense, especially this year because his team was so bad. Like, oh yeah, Draymond's playing great defense. Yeah, whatever. Like it's like, now we we only talk about like Kawhi Leonard and Kawhi Leonard's fantastic and Rudy Gobert's fantastic, but you know Rudy Gobert also gets pushed around by stronger players like Julius Randle pushed him around this year. He gets pushed around by Sabonis. Um, uh, Marcus pushes people around too, pushes around Gobert. Draymond doesn't get pushed around. He doesn't. He's smaller than all these guys, and they don't push him around because he's fucking strong. Yeah, you know like. He's, like I said, he's the best defensive player I've ever seen, and that's why he's third. And I know, and like you said, we may, you said at the beginning, you said we may differ here, and that's, we know the guy who's coming up next. Some people may disagree with us. They may flip him with Draymond, and I don't understand why. I'll kick it to you for for uh, pick four. Okay. If you want to start, you can go. I'll, 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 uh, I'll take us to four here, so... Um... In reality, this was Dion Waiters, Zach Lowe's ever-famous line, Waiters Island, uh, drafted by the Cavaliers. Uh, so I went with Bradley Beal here. Um, yeah. And Bradley Beal is such a very interesting player. If you are, if you are a fan of um, like pretty basketball and, and guys who just have like an amazing looking jump shot, you know, your Houston, your Ray Allen jump shots, uh, Bradley Beal's jump shot and his, his, um, what's the word I'm trying to look for? His, his kind of like, not extension, but the way he gets into his jump shot, it's just poetry in motion, man. Like he is one of the most, um, just, just the way he plays, it flows. Everything looks very easy. He's super talented. Drafted out of Florida, two-time All-Star. Um, I, w- I've, I was looking at players. You know, I was comparing him a lot to Chris Middleton. You and I have talked about Chris Middleton a lot. 
Middleton was a guy that we talked a lot about in the Bucks podcast with Tim Ray. Uh, Beal has played almost 2,000 minutes more than Middleton. Um, you know, his, his box plus minus is better. His playoff box plus minus is better. Uh, for his career, Beal's averaged 21-4-4. Four four. Uh, this year alone, I think, I'm trying to think if these are just the career numbers. I think the the career numbers are 45% from the field, 38 from three, 80 from the line. Win percentage is over 40. He shot over 37% from three for uh for six seasons, which is damn good. And it's damn good because he was on the Wizards, and that does matter because you know I mean don't get me Not wrong like Wall shot. was Wall was playing, you know there too. But you know it's it's tough. It's tough when you're when you're on a, a team like that that isn't, you know, perennially good all the time. Um, and the other thing is this, too. You know, Beals, don't get me wrong. Uh, I looked at some other redrafts, and there were some guys, not some, but maybe one guy that was picked ahead of Beal here in this position. And my thing is I just, I do, and, and I do tend to value guards a little bit more uh, that are so skilled in, in the passing, shooting, and, and dribbling aspect of it. Because that is a lot of what um, I think gets you paid in today's league. And Bradley Beal on a different team, you know, who knows? And maybe when John Wall comes back, who knows? But Bradley Beal deserves to be very high on this list. Chip, what do you say to that? Yeah, I got Beal here too. I got him at number four, two-time All-Star. He took a huge step. This season without Wall, you know, he's averaging 30 points, six assists. There's only two players in the league right now averaging 30 and six when the season was suspended, Beal and Harden. Wow. You now, so he's right up there with, you know, an MVP, maybe uh, one of the best scorers in NBA history. Um, the team stinks. He's probably a trade candidate for next season, but right now he is the face of the franchise. And uh, I know John Wall's coming back, but uh, and also Colin is super high on Beal, and I do trust Colin's opinion on this stuff, and he watches Beal a lot, and he's high on the guy. And look, I I don't know Beal as well as some of the other players on this list, but uh, I, he's when he came in, uh, he was billed as like a, a knockdown shooter, and I didn't know if he was. I didn't know he was going to be like a superstar like this. And I know he got left off the all-star team this year, but man, he's, and I know he's stepped up to be the guy this year because wall hasn't been there, but like he said, it's going to be interesting to see how things change when wall gets back. Like, is it, uh, uh is it, is, uh, what is, is wall going to get Wally pipped right out of the, right out of the franchise? Spot? Right. It looks like he is because has John Wall ever played at the level that Bradley Beal is playing this year? I mean, I know it's not winning basketball. That's that's the thing. John Wall has led the team to the playoffs before, but I don't know. It's, the thing is, John Wall's untradeable. He's there. Yeah. So, but I don't know. We talked we talked about it before on another podcast. It's not like John Wall's going to accept a, accept a different role and let Brad Beal run the team. Right. So 
that that's the most interesting part of that situation. I'm getting off course, but I think Brad Beal is Brad Beal is on the verge of being considered elite, but for now he's definitely a superstar and that's why he's there. Yep. Um moving on to number five, this was Thomas Robinson, uh a forward out oh, of Kansas. Man. Yeah. Taken by the so Sacramento kids. He was. So, so yeah, he was. He was good. And I think a lot of people were surprised that uh, that didn't necessarily work out. But, Chip, who'd you have here at five? Middleton. You took Middleton here. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Pistons really fucked this one up. <laughs> <laughs> like, bad. Like, bad. That you give up on the guy after 27 games. Like, no one – how come no one talks about that? Could you imagine if the Knicks gave up on a guy after 27 games and he turned into one of the best shooters in the NBA? It would be talked about every single day by Rachel Nichols on ESPN. Oh, yeah, it probably would. It would be a recurring segment on the jump. Jesus Christ. Uh, I won't go down that the, – the jump rabbit hole. Sorry. Uh, but, no, we talked about Middleton uh, on the show with Tim and uh, – I think we generally, sorry, generally agree that he's, if not the most underrated player in the league, one of the most. Yes. 50-40-90 guy, averaging 20 a game, elite defender, you know, took the step this year, struggled a little bit in the playoffs last year, which is, I think, why people aren't really trusting him as a solid number two to Giannis right now. But I don't know. He's shown, he's gotten so much better. He's like, we talked about it again in the podcast dominant mid-range player and tim was saying again if you didn't listen to the last show tim ray was a box covers a box and his box fam was saying the one of the reasons he took a step forward this year is because uh buzz allowed him to shoot the mid-range and he's maybe the best mid-range player in the nba right now he's just been fantastic from the mid-range by the numbers so I think he's take again another guy like Beal who's taken the next step, and it's unfortunate if if the season does return, it'll be interesting to see how he plays in the playoffs and if he can be a legitimate number two in the playoffs. Uh, but right now the Bucks are not getting any respect. They're Rodney Dangerfield right now, so we'll see. I mean, I, I think he's a no brainer for number five. I, I. Again, I I don't see anybody that I'd put out of him anyway. <laughs> so you may disagree with me. I don't know. I uh so we did disagree here, interestingly enough. Really? Yeah. So but here's the thing. I did this I went <laughs> back and forth on these two players. I made this selection begrudgingly. I don't like this player. But I looked deep into Tell his me stats. You're not- oh, I know, no. Chip, I, I had to go with Andre Drummond here, man. I'm I'm serious. Oh, no. But let's but 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 dude, but dude. So here's the thing, right? Everything you just mentioned about Chris Middleton is true. Andre Drummond is a two-time All Star. So is Chris Middleton. Andre Drummond was an All NBA selection in 2015-2016. He's led the league in total rebounds three times. He scored in double figures for seven straight seasons. He's currently, currently leading the league in total rebounds and defense. No, I'm sorry, total rebound percentage and defensive rebound percentage 
as well as rebounds per games. Here's the other thing about Andre Drummond, dude. He's currently third in the league in steals. Like, here's the thing. I don't like Andre Drummond. If you ask me to forecast the next five years of his NBA career and Middleton's five years of his NBA career, I'd say Middleton's is going to be better. But damn, dude, I listen, I wanted to put Middleton here so badly, Chip. You have no idea. But but Drummond, 14 and 13 for his career, you know, the thing that kills him, the free throw percentage, so you can't play him at the ends of games. But dude, this guy, when you start looking at the numbers, what? The first off, the BPM is better than Middleton. I mean, the wind shares are better than Middleton. You know, I don't know, bud. Like, I I like Chris Middleton better, but when I put the totality of these guys' careers next to each other, hard for me to take Middleton there. Hold on. Look, Drummond's uh Drummond's box plus minus is one point five, right? Yes. Forget what Middleton. I know Middleton. Point five. It's point five. Because like they yeah they redid the box plus minus, and it was all. I remember Mitchell Robinson's was like insanely high. Yeah. And then they redid it and it dipped. But okay. <laughs> well, I'm looking for Middleton's box plus minus. It's point five. It's point five. No, no, no. His rookie. His oh, rookie okay, part. okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, because that affects it. Yeah, his box plus minus as a rookie was negative 1.9. And his box plus minus his second year was negative 0.23. So you take that out. Let me see what his box plus minus is since then. 1.1. Okay. I his Wow, his defensive box plus minus is only 0.1. And, all right, so not spectacular, but still, he's a better player than Andre Drummond. Yeah, I okay. well, I agree and with you, you there, and but... You, and you kind of just made that point for me. I was going to... I, I First of all, I took Andre Drummond with the sixth pick, obviously. But I was going to defend him and say, like, oh, he's had five head coaches and three general managers, and he went to the playoffs twice but never won a game. <laughs> but now I have to say things like he's uh I was gonna say I was gonna say he's a two time all star, but now I have to say things like, Oh, Andre Drummond is a losing player. He's been he's been in the league eight seasons. He's had a negative net rating in four of those eight seasons. There was one year where he had a net rating that was like minus twelve and a half or something like that. And he played all eighty two games of that season. Um, he's Dude, not a winning player, and that's uh, why I would not draft him in the top five. I he's just so not a winning player. Here's the thing, though, Chip. I'm but so th- I don't know why, but these two stats really got me. And don't get me wrong; like I know he's led the league in reboundings. Like he's always been up there. So I'm not I'm not hanging my hat on that. But the fact that this guy still is is fairly decent with averaging double figures in points and rebounds and he's third in steals in the league hold on what's the uh what's the block numbers what's the block numbers because he's a garbage defensive player um, I, I never he's all he's a i know he averages numbers but he, he's always been an underachiever to me, he's always but, been an underachiever. But the steals, see, so, but here's the thing, though. For the steals piece of it is is hard. Listen, 
I, I like Chris Middleton more than Andre Drummond. I don't want to, I'm not going to kill Chris Middleton here. But when I started to look at the, to, the totality here and the numbers, it's just, it, it felt like, it felt like I would be kind of disrespecting Drummond to not put him top five. Disrespect Drummond. <laughs> That's what I did. We're not we're not going to be gaining any points with the uh, the Drummond family anytime soon. It doesn't seem like it. Well, maybe I will. Maybe I'll get invited to Christmas next year. I don't know if you will, but yeah. we'll see. <laughs> but I think we could probably we probably skip to seven here uh, because I I you know you had Drummond at six. I had Middleton at six. Um, yeah, I didn't even know what we were doing there. I just skipped right over. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I gotta talk about. It. Ah oh, shit! No, Remember don't when worry the Knicks about were it. Like, That's a good one. I almost, oh, That's a good God. one, though. Uh, so, in reality, this was the oh, I mean, we kind of skipped over. Lillard was pick six, but Harrison Barnes was pick seventh. Uh, he was he was drafted <laughs> to Golden State, and in reality, uh, not reality in our in our redraft, uh, this is actually where I have Harrison Barnes as well. I have him at the seventh pick. Uh, 13-4-1 for his career, 44% from the field, 37% from three, uh, six straight seasons in, in scoring double figures, NBA champ with the Warriors. You know, I, I, I feel like Harrison Barnes has had a solid career. He was very highly touted out of high school. Um, you know, he I think he had like an okay freshman year with UNC. I, I don't know. I don't remember him too well. Um, but he's a solid NBA player. You know, and I, I think he will continue to be a solid NBA player for the most part. Um, I, I think by your initial reaction, I'm guessing you also had him here at seven. Yeah, I had Barnes here too. Okay. Yeah, uh, I was. I'm glad you brought up the college thing. I remember Duke and Carolina had like a war over him in recruiting. Like he was huge, highly recruited. Right. Like uh, I thought he was going to be like a top pick. Like it was surprising that he went this low. Um, yeah, he's. I think he's become a little underrated, uh, but he's he's still a good player. But he's one of those guys who I think become underrated because of his contract. You know, he got the big money that he probably was a little overpaid and became a punchline because the Warriors replaced him with Kevin Durant. It's like, well, the Warriors went from Harrison Barnes to Kevin Durant. So uh, it became kind of a joke. And, uh, you know, he's like you said, he's a solid player. and. I, he's, you know, his, I was, like I said, I was looking at his, uh, I look at these guys on off net ratings and he's, he doesn't have one that's much higher than a, uh, two and a half points for 100 possessions. So his teams aren't much better, but I don't know. He's, no, I, I always thought, I think solid player is a good way to define him. Yeah. You know, like 13 and four. Uh, shooting forty four percent and thirty seven percent from three, and he said eight percent from the line. He's he's a solid player. I think at a seven pick, and the Warriors got him. I think they got a you get a player like Harrison Barnes with the seventh pick, you'd be happy. So uh, yeah, I think it's a, you know I think it's a nice pick, good player for the seventh pick. Yeah. Uh, moving on to eight, this was where Terrence Ross was picked. Towards Toronto, Chip. Who do you have at eight? I actually almost went with uh, T. Ross here too, okay. but uh, I decided to go with uh, Fournier. Here, I'm a huge, just like uh, 
our good friend Danny Small. I'm a huge Evan Fournier guy. Uh, and, uh, you know, Fournier, 14 points, 45% from the field, 38 from three, 80% from the line. And I'm a huge Orlando Magic mark. Um, <laughs> I just, he's, I love watching him play. Uh, it's, I know uh, Magic fans all want him traded. Uh, I know they need to blow the team up and all that, but he's had a really, he's had a really good year. You know, he's had the best year of his career right now, and it's probably smart to sell high. You know, he's shooting forty percent from three and averaging nineteen points. But look, he's he's also again underrated. You know, he's a really good player and. He just can't. He just can't defend. He's he can always shoot. He can create his own shot. Um, uh, I think I I always forget because when we started doing this, I always forget he started his career in Denver before he came to Orlando. Because you always think of him as playing in Orlando his entire career. He started his career in Denver, but uh, yeah, he's a another guy like I described the same way I described Barnes. Solid player. And I think uh, I'm surprised that Orlando hasn't traded him yet, but it's kind of uh, a symptom of how they really are just desperate to be a play, just get into the playoffs and to have a guy like Fournier there who can get you maybe 15 to 20 every single night is a guy who can, a guy you'd like to have. And that's who he is. You know, he's averaged uh, at least 15 points a game for the last five seasons. So, you know, he's, he's a good player. That's what he is. He's, he's a really good player. And uh, a lot of teams would like to have him. And I think there's a good chance he'll be on a different team next year, but I like watching him. And I think uh, from like, from your reaction, I think you took him too here. I did. Yeah. I went, I went with Evan Fournier here as well. Um, I like watching the guy play, man. I mean, I you know, I, I think he's a really solid player. I think he was drafted to Memphis, right? If I if I remember correctly, like he started his career in Memphis and then went to Orlando. Did he get traded? Uh, no, Denver. Denver. Oh, that's what it was. Yes, yes, yes. It was Denver. Yeah. Um. Yeah, man. I I, I like watching him play. I'm not gonna go too too long on him here. Um. So we'll 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 shift gears to the number nine pick. This was where Andre Drummond was picked. Um, so this was, this was a guy, I, I, I will definitely differ here. I know that for sure. This is a guy that I took a little bit higher than what his stats, um, say for him. Um, a guy that's career has really taken off since 2015, not taken off, but a really, really solid player for defender. I'm, I'm sorry for Denver. I actually went with, uh, Will Barton here. Um, 11-4-2 for his career, 43% field goal percentage, uh, 34% from three, 78 from the line, uh, average double figures for five straight seasons. His BPM is at a dead-even zero, uh, decent assist percentage. Um, I really like Will Barton, and I've always wanted a team to trade for him and take some of that guard depth away from the Denver Nuggets to see kind of what he can do. Um, I, I like Will Barton a lot, and I and I and I kind of wanted to put him a little bit higher here than than what his numbers suggest. Um, I'm guessing you might have went with Terrence Ross here. Would I be right with that? I did go with. 
Yeah. I did go with Terrence Ross here. Yeah, he's really kicked it into high gear the last few years in Orlando and become one of the best bench players in the NBA, in my opinion. No, in Orlando, the last technically four seasons, he was traded four seasons ago. Uh, 192 games, 27.2 minutes, 13.9 points, uh, 36.5% from three, uh, 42% overall from the field and 85% from uh, the free throw line for his career, 11 points per game, 42% from field, 37% from three. But like I said, in Orlando, he's really kicked it up a notch uh, and become like just, they nicked it like the human torch or whatever is yeah. his uh, nickname, whatever. He's really, he's become, like I said, one of the best bench scorers in the NBA and the past, you know, he played really well last year, shot career high 38% from three and uh, got paid a lot of money. And uh, I think he's earned his cash. Yeah. I really do. And uh, I like watch, like, just like Fournier, I like watching him play. I think he's, you know, he's a great six man too. They kind of keep him in that Lou Williams type role. He never never starts always comes off the bench because he's good in that role you know plays he averaged 27 minutes a game this year but he pretty much always closes out the game and plays a lot of minutes with starters so he's one of he comes off the bench but he's one of the most important players on a team yeah um terrence ross is is definitely valuable for sure uh mm-hmm. number 10 ooh austin rivers <laughs> Drafted to New Orleans originally with Anthony Davis. Chip, who did you go with at number 10 here? Oh, I thought you were going to say you took oh. Austin Rivers. Oh, no, no, like, no, 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 no. Uh, really? No, he was he, <laughs> he was drafted there uh, originally. Okay. I was like, wow, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. Uh, I did not take Austin Rivers either. Um, I took Jay Crowder here. Okay. I like Jay Crowder a lot. Um, I always been a big Jay Crowder fan. Even when he was in Boston, I couldn't help but root for the guy. You had those really good years there. He averaged, uh, excuse me. No <laughs> problem. He's there. He averaged 14.2 points and 13.9 points those, uh, first two seasons there. And, uh, the 16, 17 season, he shot 40% from, uh, three, but he was always regarded as a really good defender in his prime. Now I guess he's uh, almost 30 or whatever, and he's fallen back a little bit. But he was always a tough player, and he had a good run. And, you know, I guess Boston had that little diamond in the rough system that they always found. Stevens got the most out of players, and he got the most out of Crowder. And, uh, like with Stevens, I feel like if he ended up with the right coach right away, he would have been a special player. And, you know, he had a really good run in Boston. And he played well in Utah, too. Played well with, uh, played well with Quinn Snyder and played well uh, in Memphis. And uh, I don't really think uh, that he would be a huge part of – uh, Miami's playoff run, but uh, I think Iguodala would probably 
play those minutes, but he's playing well now. You know, yeah. for 13 games with Miami, 28.7 minutes, 11.9 points, and shooting almost 40% from three. So he's been a good part of that deal. You know, he's played better than Gaydala played for them in a short stretch. But, uh, yeah, uh, he's always been a solid player, good defender. So, uh, yeah, I took him here. And, I, again, biased. I like him. So I, I think he's a good player to watch. So this was uh, so this is where I had Terrence Ross. So I had him just uh, okay. one or two behind. Um, so I don't need to go too much into him. So we'll move quickly to number 11 here. We'll go a little Onse. So in reality, um, Myers Leonard was picked here. And um, let me see. Oh, yeah. Okay, so this is where I had Jay Crowder. Um, okay. Yeah, I had him at 11. And uh, I'd like Jay Crowder, too. You know what, though, Chip? I'm not going to lie, man. I almost put him lower on this list. When I started when I started looking at his shooting percentages, well, his numbers have been very, very all over the place. Um, but he did average double figures in the playoffs four times. It's just weird. If you look at his shooting percentages, they are, like, all over the place. Um, but the fact of the matter is this. Whenever I've watched big playoff series... Jay Crowder is usually involved in them, and he's usually identified as an X factor. Uh, Jay Crowder absolutely belongs on this list. Where you know, who knows? I, probably towards the back end, like we kind of have him here. But um, I did not know that he was actually shooting as well with Miami as he is right now. So I think that kind of helped it out too, as you pointed out. Um, but yeah, I have Jay Crowder here. I don't think we're too far off on that. And that brings us to 12, I think, right? Um, so Jeremy Lamb was... Um, I think so, yeah, right? Uh, I'm, I'm at 11. Really? Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Um, all right, so maybe I just skipped... Okay, yeah, Did so... Did you skip your 11? No, I don't. I don't think so. But who do you who do you have for eleven? Because maybe it'll jog. I got Dion Waiters here. Really? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let me. I want to yeah. hear this. I want to hear this. Yeah. No, I'm a. I'm definitely a, a huge member of the Waiters aforementioned Island. Waiters Island. Right. For sure. Yeah. Okay. My, my dad, my brother, my aunt, my cousin, they're all. Huge Syracuse fans. Okay. So I've been watching Dion Waiters play basketball for a very long time. And he's been playing basketball the way he's played basketball like this since he was a teenager. He hasn't changed. <laughs> Not particularly good thing, but yeah. One fucking bit. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he hasn't changed one bit. And I just love Dion Waiters. He's in great. In, by the way, his numbers, like 13 points, I'm surprised that he averages as high as 2.8 assists per game. I was really surprised. Oh, yeah, that. totally. And the .9 steals per game was hilarious, too. And the .3 block, that was really fun. 
2.8 assists and 1.8 turnovers. That's such a dreadful assist to turnover ratio. Free run. Like, almost, oh, it's brutal. But uh, 41% from the field, almost 35% from three. And this surprising below 70% from the free throw line, which is not very good. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, his numbers still, I mean, he scored 13 points for his career. He had... Uh, that one year in Miami, the 16-17 year, where he averaged 15.8 points. Um, I mean, he's he's had some good years. He had a solid career. He just it his downfall really didn't have anything to do with on the court, as we know. He's just made some dumb effing decisions off the court. Right. And look, he can't. We we can't say that were too surprised, I guess, because he's been making stupid decisions on the court again since he was in college. Right. But yeah, it's you know maybe you know if he, he couldn't get his head out of his ass in Miami, it's probably not going to happen somewhere else. But uh, it'd be nice to see him get another shot somewhere and turn it out, turn it around. But yeah, again, I'm a big waiters island fan <laughs> i i'd like to see him get a shot and just turn it around but i mean I, I don't see it happening he's he hasn't done anything in a long time and you know it's he washed out miami and that i think really had his stock take a hit yeah so but i flip-flopped on them a couple times and decided to go with Dion. But, uh, yeah, Barton came on a little bit later, so. Yeah, um, I actually, I'm trying, no, I had, I had Barton up a little, a little higher. Um, I'm trying to think of who I had here. Uh, some of my notes are a little jumbled, but so believe it or not, I actually had, uh, Jeremy Lamb here. Um, oh, I thought you had. Oh no, you, that's right. You had Barton higher. Yeah, that's what it was. So I, I, I had Jeremy Lamb here. So um, I think towards the end of this draft, like the both of us are kind of favoring players that we just like. We kind of liked a little bit more. Uh, Jeremy <laughs> yeah, Lamb. He... You know, Jeremy Lamb. I mean, you know, nothing special, but he does have a positive BPM 0. 0.7, 23.4 win shares, uh, career 44 from the field, 34 from three, 85 from the line. 10, 3, and 1. Um, but the the value that I do see in Jeremy Lamb, you know, essentially getting, you know, kind of short contracts for the rest of his career is is the as a floor spacer. Um, somebody who can, not always, but can break you off the dribble. Uh, he, ob- he had a pretty rough injury this year. I know when we had Corey Waldron on earlier and we were talking Pacers, the Pacers really struggled after he went out. Uh, he he did mean a lot to their team, uh, but I I I liked him. I he came out of Connecticut, right, Chip? Jeremy Lamb did, yeah. Yeah, so I I did like him coming out of the draft, and I think he's kind of been for the most part like what we thought he would be. Um, so I had him here, and then we're moving on to twelve, right? Yes. So no, no oh, and I have yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah. this was actually where Jeremy Lamb was picked, uh, in reality from Houston. who uh, who did you go with here? I actually took Barton here. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yep. So, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so I'm not going to go too deep into that. You already. Yeah. We're talking about him, but. I, uh, yeah, so. Been... I, I actually went with, um, a guy that is a current Nick right now, uh, Maurice Harkless. And, uh, this is a guy that, you know, he doesn't have, uh, again, the numbers are not going to jump out, uh, by any means. I actually was trying to look at some different metrics. There were some guys I was looking at here and I went to, uh, um, PIPM, which is player impact plus minus. And I saw that he had kind of ranked a little bit higher, um, you know, than some of the other players I was considering. Definitely a defensive player. You know, he can shoot the open three, but the, the percentages are not great. Free throw percentage is definitely not that great. I believe it's in the 60s. But Maurice Harkless has perennial, perennially been a guy that teams go after to shore up their forward depth. Um, he played very well with Portland Trailblazers last season, especially in the playoffs. Uh, started off the year with the Clippers and then was traded to the Knicks in the Marcus Morris deal. But I have a feeling that Harkless is going to continue to be a player that teams do want. Um, you know, he's, he's not going to get big stat lines, but he's going to continue to be a good complimentary player. And I think as you get towards the end of like our lottery drafts, that's kind of what most of our players are going to look like. Um, who did you have? Oh wait, you, you already went, you had Barton here, right? I did. Yes. Got you. Okay. So let's go, let's go number 13. We are getting towards the end here. This is where Kendall Marshall was taken. Another UNC guy. Uh, taken by Phoenix. I have not heard that name in quite a while. Chip, who did you have here at 13? I had Jeremy Lamb here. Okay. So I, yeah, I think for all the, for all the reasons you said, I mean, I was thinking about, uh, Indiana and what Corey was talking about, but I was also thinking about how, uh, impressive he was for Charlotte last year Yep. and, uh, how, how uh, surprising it was that they let him go, but uh, um, yeah, I like Jeremy Lamb. Like you mentioned, his college career. I've been watching him since he was at UConn. Uh, he's always been another underrated guy who uh, is solid shooter, good shot creator. Um, ten and a half point. I was surprised his scoring was that low. By the way, yeah, he didn't score and. I was surprised he didn't score in double digits for the first time until 17, 18. But he also, I didn't realize he didn't average um, 20 minutes per game until 17, 18. Right. I didn't realize like he didn't really get that good of minutes for that long. But uh, yeah, he, yeah, again, solid player. I, I like Jeremy Lamb. He's, I think he's underrated. And when he comes back next season, whenever he comes back, Indiana gets a, a boost there and they were already really good. Yeah. So and him with him and Oladipo and Brogdon and they're a good team and they just got to trade Miles Turner because that doesn't work there. Yeah, no, it doesn't. Um, so, and this is actually where I had Dion waiters. Um, I did feel like he had to be on this list. I just couldn't get him up a little bit higher just because of, you know, the tail off, but um, dude, Dion Waiters, man, um, when he was, I can't even say when he was right. Cause even when he was right, he was kind of playing like an asshole, but, um, he was a deadly scorer. I mean, um, even on some, even on some decent heat teams and he, he, he tried to turn it around. I mean, like when he was on the heat, I mean, they, they talked about how he did cut down his, his, um, 
his body mass. Uh, he got into great shape. It's just, you know, I mean, um, he, he plays how he plays, you know, and, and, and that's kind of the way it's going to be. But I did think he should be in the top 14. Um, and are we at 14 now? I think that's it, right, Chuck? Uh, yeah, I did my top. I did my top thirteen. Okay, so my top thir- I'm on fourteen. Yeah, right now. so we're both on fourteen. This is it, the last pick. And in reality, um, I hate this player. Um, John Henson was picked with the fourteenth pick back in 2012. He went to. Why do you hate John? Henson? Dude, I can't stand John Why Henson. I, 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 I don't think he should be in the league. I don't think what? he's. I don't That's think such he's a good. Random player. I know. I know. I just don't like John Henson. I wow. don't. Maybe. Maybe it's the. Maybe it's the T-shirt under the jersey. I'm not <laughs> sure, but I. I cannot stand John Henson, so I don't have him at 14. Um, so I'll tell you who I have, and it's a guy, um, who I went out a little bit on a limb on, his. Uh, sample size is small compared to some of the other guys I was considering here. He's kind of a one-trick pony, but he's a valuable one-trick pony. So I went with Myers Leonard here, uh, a guy who analytically is rated above some of the guys that I was considering, like Mike Scott, even Austin Rivers, even though Austin Rivers was not going to make my list um, just because I, I can't stand the way he plays basketball. But... Uh, I got Myers Leonard on here. Listen, he averages five points a game. They're not going to be a lot, but he shoots well from three. His his projection for how he's going to be used in the league going forward, I think, projects well. Um, and I looked at some of the other metrics. The PIPM is also – it was actually even uh, – no, it wasn't better than Harkless, but it was better than Mike Scott and some of the other guys I was considering. So I went with Myers Leonard at 14. Chip, what about you? I really wanted to go with Tomas Badaransky here. Oh, you know what? And I thought about him too. But that the I sample want, size was rough. I want. Yeah, um, yeah, because I want to say that because you brought up the sample size, and he's only been in the league four years, so I couldn't do it. I, it's just not enough time. So I went with MKG. Oh, okay. All right. And, yeah, and I know he's been a bust because of where he went, and he's always going to be the guy who went ahead of Brad Beal, Dame Lillard, yada, yada, yada. And he is a bust in comparison. But he's averaged eight and a half points, 5.4 rebounds. Um, he's not an offensive player, but he is a good defensive player. Yeah, he is. You know? But once they realized what he was and what he wasn't in Charlotte, it was never going to work in Charlotte. Yeah. So he, he needs to go somewhere else to have any sort of success. And he's also still young, 26, turns 27 in September. Um, I don't know. I just think I want, I wanted to put MKG on here because I think he's, I think he's still a very good defender and his, his box plus minus is minus uh, 1.8, which isn't great, but. It's uh, it's right in the area of the guy you picked, Myers Leonard. Uh, it's no, it's ahead of uh, a couple. It's ahead of Dion Waiters, <laughs> who I, who we both put ahead of him. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, he's he took some knocks for sure, and look, again, 
Like, it's hard to justify with numbers because uh, defensive metrics are so unreliable and his offensive numbers are so unspectacular. But uh, I just think he's he's always going to be one of those guys where I'm like, uh, I wish, I, I hope he'll, I wish he had, you know, like when we were talking about Adam Morrison, yeah. like I wish he had been drafted by somebody else. I wish MKG had gone lower in the draft and then maybe something different had happened. You know, if he had gone lower and instead of being thrown right in there, uh, just been developed somewhere. I don't know. You know what I mean? No, I do. Gotten a shot somewhere else. I don't know. I, I like MKG. Well, he's also a Jersey guy and off of Jersey. (laughs) So it's easy to root for him. Now he's not Kyrie Irving. So it's, it's impossible to retire <laughs> a, little, guy. a little yeah. hometown pride there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm cool with that. I mean, I, 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 like I said before, when we brought him up, when he was drafted, uh, number two, and we were talking about Dame, I, I definitely rooted for the guy. I mean, I wanted him to be good. Mm-hmm. I wanted him to be, you know, cause he, he has that effort, you know, I mean, he gives that, that full energy when he's on the court. Um, but overall, I mean, I think that's a pretty decent draft. Um, you know, like I said, we're getting to the point where they're a little bit more in depth, which is nice. I know there are some coming up that won't be that way. Um, you know, we'll, we'll get to 2013 next week and, uh, also very pumped up because Chip and I should be bringing you a Bulls centered podcast, which is very nicely timed with the last dance playing. So, um, we will bring on somebody who covers the Bulls and writes a little bit about them. So we'll be pumped to talk with them uh, about the Last Dance and and really what the Bulls' future looks like going forward. And uh, then we'll have another redraft pod. But uh, this was a good one, man. As as always, uh, again, always enjoy doing these with you. It's it's a nice way to break up the week. And um, yeah, I think uh, you know we'll be we'll be looking forward to the end of the week and and we'll be able to tape again. Chip, what about you? Yeah, I'm already looking forward to uh, the next redraft. Yeah, 20, I know. 2013, the Anthony Bennett draft. Oh my <laughs> god, I can't. Yeah, that that one's gonna be wild. Yeah, this is yeah. like I don't know about you, Chip, but this is probably like. 80% of the social life that I have for the week. So like, I, I value this very much, my guy. I do. No, def- definitely for me too, man. What am I, <laughs> am I talking to my, uh, texting my friends I know. about Tiger King? Or oh, something? God, like, yes. <laughs> um, all right. Well, I think that does it for us, guys. Uh, for anyone listening, uh, thank you guys, and, and we'll talk to you next week. <laughs>